Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills fans? It is a big week, and so we got a couple of big guests, um, literally and figuratively. Uh, I'm sure John just got finished with a workout. John Scott on the bottom, Spectrum News Buffalo, and from Miami, our old friend Marcel Louis-Jacques in the house. What is up, buddy? Man, I was about to say, I know I'm the figurative to the to John's literally big. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm big in theory. I'm big on the internet. John is big in real life, man. <laughs> Doing great, though, man. I, I think you guys are – this is like the Buffalo dream right now to come down here in January, end of the season. It's been like 70 degrees here for the past two weeks, cool breeze. Like, it's not going to be hot. It's going to be perfect, though. And I think, uh, you know, RIP to the Hard Rock Sun because that excuse is not going to fly Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> John, uh, when do you go? When do you go down? I leave Saturday at noon. I get in at five, probably a little later than I'd like. But we had to kind of scramble here, not knowing the schedule until six days out. Yeah, I get in early afternoon, so um, like one thirty, I'll be able to check into the hotel. Unfortunately, Marcel, the temperatures might be good, but rain in the forecast. It seems both Saturday and Sunday. So mm. uh, taking advantage of the pool or the ocean. For those of us going down there, especially with the night game, you're like, all right, I got the afternoon. I can kind of enjoy myself a little bit and relax, unwind before a long night. Uh, we may be dodging some some precipitation both days. Yeah, uh, dang, I'm seeing that. I'm yeah, 50%. You know, it, it, no in Florida, it'll probably be over pretty quick. Good. You're going to get every season. <laughs> and by every season, I mean raining season and perfect weather season. That's all we've got. It's, it's only two. Caitlin, um, Reminded me this morning before she left that we're expected to get a couple inches of snow this weekend. And she's like, how convenient. You're going out of town. I'm going to be snow blowing every time it hits. I'm like, sorry, Who babe. snow blows with a couple of inches of snow? Uh, she will. She'll, she'll snow blow. <laughs> if she, if we get over six, she's snow blowing. Right. That's that's reasonable. Anything yeah, I think that's what we're supposed to get, isn't it? What, what's the what's the. Not here, not paying attention to that forecast. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to I go. Mean, 
you got probably what, like four more years till the kids are ready to start snow blowing. So just got milk these. Lucas is going to be 10 next year. I think we're a year or two out. Like I'm going to really start getting him in the gym and see if we can uh, expedite That's things right. or at least get him shoveling. He is nine. Oh, damn, man. <laughs> I, for, I just keep forgetting. I, I met the I met him when he was like six. So I got in my mind, like he's always six or seven. I know, like, man. Oh, he's he was a little baby. We were at the we were at the Bison's game, and he was just like, you know, just young, little, uh, unaffected. Now he's in fourth grade and starting to see the world a little bit. Real problems. Real problems. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great. Real arithmetic. <clears throat> All right, I want to get you in and out of here. Um, and I and I we I got the the band back together here because we had several like big picture um, podcasts around the Bills when you were on the beat back in the day. And, you know, it's funny, like the Dolphins have been kind of trending in that similar, like, you know, upswing. You know, they find the quarterback, they get the quarterback, the, the piece that he needs on offense. They build around him. They get a couple of big time players uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And then we sit here like two years almost removed from when it really started. And, you know, we could be a week or two away from just absolute disaster for a team that was looking like, the next coming of the the great offense of, of the 2020s here. Um, what's happened there this season, and what's the outlook going into this game, but not only this game, but the playoffs? Well, I, I think that what had happened was they were – that beginning to the season was an unsustainable rate. Like, you, you're, we knew that 700 yards of offense was not going to happen. The fact that they did it was special and rare – but, you know, it's not like they're going to average that over the course of the season. Um, they ran into a couple, you know, a couple tough defenses. Like, let's not – the team as as a whole is bad. But when you look at the Patriots and you look at the Jets, like, these teams can play defense. These As, as Buffalo knows very well, like, these teams can play defense. And, uh, you know, they ran into a couple areas where they got slowed down a little bit, a uh, few injuries along the way. Um, but I always like to say, you know, injuries are never an excuse. Injuries are never an excuse, but they do offer an explanation. They do offer an explanation. You pay guys a lot of money for when guys go down to step into that role and, and keep the ship afloat. Um, and so I think we saw the ship afloat in a few different ways. That offensive line has been piecemealed together throughout the, uh, throughout the entire season. Uh, but really what we've seen, man, and the reason why they've still won 11 games despite kind of offensive inconsistency over the last we'll call it third of the season is somewhere around week eight which is Jalen Ramsey's return this shifted into a defensive minded team and I think that's where that the first seven weeks of the year got people a little bit you know maybe misled people a little in terms of the identity of this Dolphins team because you see all these personalities all these stars on that side of the ball and you think okay this is an offensive team this is an offensive team it's not true. At full strength, they are better defensively than they are offensively. At full strength, this defense can hold any team in the NFL to the 18-ish points, and their offense is capable of scoring at will. Like, it's a very complete team. But, uh, you know, people kind of look past that because of the star power they have on offense. Uh, but, uh, you know, a couple late-game head-scratching decisions, uh, uh, some poor play against Tennessee there in week, what is that, 14? Week 14. Uh, and that's really, you know, that's the game that I think people are going to look at and say, like, damn, that's the turning point of the season. Like, that is where the season forked a little bit. Uh, I used to have a saying that losing to the Jaguars has, con has consequences. 
Uh, the Jaguars is more of a concept, a construct than, you know, a literal <laughs> team. It, it basically means losing to a bad team like that in a manner that you shouldn't has consequences and repercussions later on in the year. Like, let's go back to, I think it was 20, 2021. Bills lose to the Jags inexplicably in Jacksonville. And they're, what, a game out, half game out of, I guess, full game out of the one seed at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Miami loses to Tennessee. Now, all of a sudden, in week 18, their skeleton crew fighting for the division title against Buffalo when they could have been locked up a week or two ago. So, you know, like it, games like that have consequences. But, uh, you know, as of right now, they're going to need they're going to need this offense to be, you know, week two, three, one, two, three Dolphins uh, because defense is just too battered. It's too injured to keep up the level of play that we've seen over the past month. I want to get into those injuries with you in a second, but John, I want to get your perspective from this side of things. Cause I want Marcel's perspective from being at the ground in the ground floor, like covering this from the beginning, your thoughts on Mike McDaniel and the arc of Mike McDaniel over the last couple of seasons from the outside looking in, he's been this kind of fun figure, brilliant offensive mind um, at times, like really has looked like a guy that's galvanized a team. Um, I think there's been some shortcomings this season. Um, it's probably tough to have that. I, I guess I want Marcel's thoughts on this in a minute. Uh, what it's like to have in-season hard knocks. Like, I can't imagine what that's like lurking around and having, like, things like being storylines every week that maybe people wouldn't see. That's a part of it. But what's your thoughts on McDaniel and the job that he's done here in the first two seasons? I love I love the hire when it was made, and it's turned to be true, to be honest with you. I, I mean, it is undeniable his – offensive genius I think that's just plain and simple of course anyone's shifting from a coordinator spot or any other just coaching spot into the head coaching role it's a different beast in terms of in-game management decision making and and operating as the all being voice and, and figurehead of an organization that, that's a different cat than just simply hey I'm in my bag calling plays and letting Tua cook because I'm embracing what he is best at and not asking him to do things that he's not. And then surrounding him with, as Sean McDermott said, maybe the most unique offensive player he's ever seen in like Tyree in Tyreek Hill. And I would agree. And so I think that he has done well at what he is best at. And just like anyone else, shoot, we're in year seven of Sean McDermott and he still gets crushed by people for some of the decisions he makes in game. And I think that is always a moving target. I don't think you're just naturally going to step into the head coaching spot and hit every single mark in terms of things that you've never done before because you you were never in that position. So I, I think in short order, he did what was most important for the Dolphins. He unlocked Tua. And does Tua still have areas to improve? Absolutely. Are there still things that he can't do that other quarterbacks maybe more physically gifted with arm strength can do. Sure. But he has maximized the most important player at the most important position. And that's why above all the dolphins are where they are. So I, I applaud him for that. Well, understanding, especially from my vantage point of not watching as regularly, certainly as Marcel, that there are other areas that undoubtedly he could get better at. Has this season gone off the rails at all because of McDaniel in your eyes? Um, Marcel? Because of McDaniel directly, 
it's it's that's tough to attribute that to him. I think that there are some fans who are emotional after the events of last week, um, where they say, you know, Bradley Chubb is Bradley Chubb was injured towards ACL while in the game, you know, late in the fourth quarter, Dolphins are down thirty. Uh, that didn't make a lot of sense to people. Uh, Jalen Phillips, I think, was in the game during garbage time, tore his Achilles. And, you know, a lot of people put that on McDaniel. Now, like, I think those two injuries are a reason why this season could possibly derail uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and Mike McDaniel certainly had influence in those decisions to have those guys on the field. Uh, you know, there are times I think his play calling – against Tennessee, his red zone play calling specifically, you know, they had five trips and I think they scored one touchdown maybe, or didn't score a touchdown. I, I don't remember the specifics, but I do remember that their first few trips, I mean, it was a refusal almost to run the ball. He's, he is kind of obsessed with this goal line feint. It's become a kind of like a running joke on Twitter every week. They're like, all right, it's going to work eventually. It's going to work eventually. But the, the end zone fades to Cedric Wilson just simply don't work right now. And it is one of his favorite plays to call. In the red zone, I don't want to say favorite, but it is a play that he has called multiple times in the red zone. Uh, I love John's point, though, that it, he did. He is obviously he made the transition from uh, coordinator and really like run game coordinator to offensive coordinator to head coach in a matter of three years. This is his second year at the job. He is still figuring out, you know, kind of the, the intricacies of the job. He is a brilliant play caller. He is a brilliant offensive mind. Like that is that's without question. Obviously, there's more to the job than that. And so I think, you know, you're seeing a guy who is learning how to delegate in certain situations, how to manage the clock, how to, you know, you know, kind of be the bad guy. I think he's capable of being the quote unquote bad guy, you know, telling players, no, like, no, you're not playing. No, you're not going to stay in the game. You, you have to do this, that. Uh, but it's a, it is a process. And in year two to win 20 games in your first two years, I think he's doing a good job. I think he's doing a good job. I think the players believe in him. Um, like, I don't think he's lost this locker room whatsoever. I don't think the shtick, quote unquote, gets old because it's not shtick. This is, you know, what you see in press conferences, what you see in these these video clips and on Hard Knocks. Like, that's, that's exactly who Mike McDaniel is. You know, I've talked to him a hundred times in press conference setting. I've talked to him outside of press conferences. I've talked to him at the JW in, in Indy, you know, during the combine. He's the exact same person no matter the setting. So, uh, you know, it's not a shtick. It's not something that gets old. I think that players think and know that he has their best interest in mind and that, you know, he's going to make decisions right or wrong. He makes decisions based on what he thinks is best for the team and best for the player and to put them in a position to succeed and, you know, uh, therefore help them feed their family and extend their career. So, uh, you know, I, th I do think he's I think he's done a good job. I think he has made some decisions that have contributed two losses, but that is, that's a head coach. You know, that's, you can say that about any head coach. Oh yeah. We know about that around these parts. Um, John, <clears throat> there's two players and we're going to get into some of the injuries and, and the impact from the Miami side, but from your vantage point, knowing the bills, their personnel on both sides of the ball, where do you feel like is the bigger area to potentially, uh, <clears throat> I guess from Bill's perspective, if you're a fan, who are you more hoping isn't available for the Dolphins. And I know nobody like goes into a game thinking that way, but just from a game plan schematic perspective, Jalen Waddle potentially being out or not at a hundred percent or Xavier Howard uh, on the defensive side of the ball, which do you think is like a more impactful player that would be missing 
in this game? Say Waddle <clears throat> and the Bills, amazingly enough, outside of the two playoff games in Kansas City, have actually done a pretty good job with Tyreek Hill in regular season matchups. That certainly is not in- indicating that he's incapable. <laughs> we understand what Tyreek Hill could do. He could easily pop off for two, 200 against the Bills, even though their defense really doesn't allow that often just in general to anyone. But I think if you can shift the focus away from two dynamic playmakers in the receiving game to one, I honestly don't know. I know Cedric Wilson or whatever. I mean, what? who else on the offense in terms of pass catchers would be threatening beyond Tyreek Hill? So that that's kind of where I would I would sit and say um, from my perspective. Um, and then, honestly, the one that I, if I'm a Bills fan or I have my biggest eye on is not a pass catcher. It's Achan. I mean, the guy had eight, eight carries for over 100 yards in the first game. He's averaging, really, he had two games with one carry. And so really in seven games, he's averaging 105 yards rushing. So I know he's even like dealing with something and Mostert has been dealing with something for a while here. Um, But to me, I think if Jalen Waddell is even out there and not able to be the speedster that Jalen Waddell can be, I think that to me would be more impactful than Xavier Howard uh, on the defensive side especially considering where the Bills passing attack is not for nothing. I mean, it doesn't honestly seem to matter who's on the other side right there that they're, they're struggling. Yeah. Marcel, uh, one idea that's been floated amongst fans, which I think is crazy talk, but I wanted your thoughts on it is the idea that the dolphins would rest starters because they already have a playoff spot secured and just basically pass on trying to win the division. I, I think that's craziness. Have you gotten any sense of that or in any world that we live in, would that ever happen in the NFL? Could you imagine Mike McDaniel walking in the locker room and be like, you know what, guys, we're just going to shut this down and, you know, go on the road for the playoffs. <laughs> now, all right, so this is a it, – it's an interesting kind of concept there because on one hand, which would you rather do if you're the Dolphins? Would you rather have to beat the Bills back-to-back weeks at home or take your chances against Kansas City on the road, this year's Kansas City team on the road? I personally think they have a better chance at winning at Kansas City in round one than beating the Bills two weeks in a row. It's it's very hard to beat a team twice in the NFL. It's mm. even harder to beat them in back-to-back weeks. So, like, I recognize that the odds are probably better if they go on the road. On the other hand, this is the freaking NFL. There is no way, shape, or form, no possibility in which <laughs> they rest healthy starters so that they lose a game to get a better road matchup in, in, in the playoffs. There is no freaking way now like the the compromise where i'll meet in the middle here is that if a guy is close so if uh let's say a waddle it would be playing at 75 percent, 80 percent if uh raheem Mostert would be playing at 75 80 percent then maybe i i don't push it maybe i don't push it because then you know disaster can strike and and you know injuries can be exacerbated it'd be different if they're fighting for a playoff spot period if it's a playoff spot bro if you can walk if you put one foot in front of the other you better get your ass on the field but on the field sorry we're pg i understand the i understand where people are coming from but there is just no way that a healthy starter a healthy starter, you know he's not just going to say okay two don't play right all right tyreek sit down you know, Jalen Ramsey, you're out of here. There's no way in God's green earth that that happens. But if a player is close, I don't see them, you know, if a player is close or or not 
or even less than 90%. I can see a world in which they say, hey, man, we've got a playoff spot either way. If we, Even if we get a home, even if we win the division, we get home playoff games, if you lose Jalen Waddle in the process, if he, exas- if he ex- you know, uh, exacerbates that, that injury, that ankle injury, then it's kind of a pyrrhic victory because now you've just, now you're in here even more of a skeleton crew. Good thing you're playing at home, but like you might only be playing one game at home and you've got, you're, you're at less than a hundred percent. So like, I see where people are coming from, but again, I cannot stress enough. I cannot emphasize enough how, how insane it would be, how fireable it would be to sit healthy starters with the division on the line. Asinine. Uh, Xavier Howard. Uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier in the week. What's the status here going into Thursday practice? This is we're recording this right before uh, Thursday activity. Which, by the way, the Bills we were talking about this, John, practicing at one o'clock today. It's so weird. It's so late. It feels so strange. But um, <laughs> Mike usually talks at one. Man. <laughs> okay. Okay. So yeah, I don't. I don't know what's happening. Things a little lighter down here, man. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. But um, anyway, you know, with Howard. I think the designation was week to week type of situation. Is that where they're at? And if he doesn't go, how bad of a spot is that for this Dolphins defense? Yeah, I, I don't expect him to play. The team doesn't expect him to play on Sunday, barring a miraculous recovery. Uh, doesn't require surgery. So, like, there, I think he will be back. He'll probably be back that first round of playoffs. Uh, you know, ideally, hopefully, optimistically, we'll be back first round of playoffs. Uh, but don't expect to see him on Sunday. Didn't practice on, uh, did not practice on Wednesday. Man, behind him is rough. Behind him is rough. And I think, to be honest, that's a bigger loss at this stage in the season than Bradley Chubb. Obviously, like Chubb, it's terrible. You've now, Miami, you've lost your your best two pass rushers who are playing great football. Mm -hmm. Bradley Chubb's had 11 sacks this year. I think Jalen Phillips would have cracked double digits as well like that's a hell of a you got two guys in double digit sacks like that's a hell of a tandem uh that's hard to replicate they do have Andrew Van Ginkle they do have Melvin Ingram and and Emmanuel Agba like that's a fine pass rushing rotation it's not high end you don't have stars in that trio but that is a that's better than a lot of teams would be at if they lost their best two pass rushers uh but Zavin Howard behind him is Eli Apple and Eli Apple is not good he has not been good this year. He was very not good on Sunday. I, I've seen so many people break down the clip of Lamar dropping back as a lefty and then flipping his shoulders and, and hitting Zay Flowers. And, like, they're like, wow, he fooled the defense. If you get fooled by a right-handed quarterback pretending he's going to throw left-handed, you're not very good at the position. That's a very <laughs> bad play for you. Like, Javon Holland spoke about it on the radio the, the other day, and he was like, yeah, he dropped back lefty. And I'm like, why is he acting like he's going to throw this ball left-handed? Like, they recognized it, but he didn't fall for it. If you right. fall for it, what the hell is wrong with you? He got cooked <laughs> the entire game, 158.3 passer rating when targeting Eli Apple. Like, it, it's not – he is not a – he is not a starting quarterback right now. He's not a starting corner. Uh and this is kind of what you've come to expect. Like this was, you know, who Eli Apple is when you brought him in. And there's juice. There, there's juice there. Like, do you remember the exchange between Diggs and Eli Apple after the Bengals game last year? Like, I think Diggs, who's struggling, like this is like a sneaky under the radar storyline. We talked so much about Stephon Diggs this week. Like, 
he might be coming for that dude's head. And I know they're probably going to do Jalen Ramsey shadowing him all game. But if Eli Apple gets one snap against Stefan Diggs, it's going to be like one of those, like Stefan Diggs looking over to Josh Allen, like right, right here. Now, get this right, right now. Immediately. So like when you look at this, I mean, if you're, I know Diggs has been struggling, but like when you look at the secondary, if they don't, if Vic Fangio did not learn his lesson from week, what was it? Week four. four. You're looking at Cater Kohu, who Stefan dropped 155 yards on. What was mm-hmm. it? It was 155 and two tuds in week four. Or you're looking at Eli Apple, who just got cooked by anybody with a pulse on Sunday. And, like, the Ravens' pass catchers are are good. Like, this is probably the best group of pass catchers that Lamar has ever had. None of them are even in the same caliber as Stephon Diggs. So, like, you, you're, you're forced now to shadow. And the issue is then, behind Diggs, you've got Gabriel Davis and you've got Khalil Shakir. Both are guys who can stretch the field. That's something Eli Apple struggles with. That's something Eli Apple – he's not a high-end athlete. He's not going to turn and burn with you. To be quite honest, I think he's just he's tall and physical, and he can maybe jam you at the line of scrimmage. But you can get you can break free. Uh, you can break free from Eli Apple. Like it's he has not been good this season. And then Kater Kohu, that's he's out of position if he's at, if he has to play outside. Like that was the issue in week four. Was like you're letting this guy get hammered over and over and over again. Like that's not his position. He's a nickel corner. He is. I made this comp- this comparison yesterday uh, on on GR. He reminds me a lot of Taron Johnson early in Taron's career, where Taron was better in run support than he was in pass coverage out of that slot, that nickel spot. Now he is a well-rounded, he might be the best slot corner in the NFL now. But I see, I very much remember in 2019, mm-hmm. Julian Edelman giving him crazy work up in New England because he just he wasn't that caliber of, of, of pass cover yet. He wasn't that caliber of player in coverage. And I think that's where kind of Cater Kohe is right now. Sure tackler. Excellent in run support, unafraid, often out of position, uh, you know, hesitates too frequently. And, you know, and at this level, you hesitate for a second. That's the difference between four yards and 40 yards. All right. In closing, I'll go John, then Marcel. What's the p- path to the Dolphins pulling off an upset here on Sunday? Because, I mean, they're the betting underdog. And I think most people think the Bills are going to be able to find a way to win this game. What would be the path to Miami winning, John? The Bills' offense continues to be stagnant and in a lull, and mistake mistakes just pile up. I mean, you turn the football over, and you give Tua and the offense, and even as undermanned as maybe either side of the ball could be, you give the that type of a unit extra opportunities, and you shoot yourself in the foot. I mean, how many games have we seen against far less talented teams this season where the Bills have let – the Chargers, the Patriots twice, the Denver Broncos, the Jets, these teams that had no business running with the Bills to the end, and they did. And it was almost every single time because the Bills allowed them to because they made mistakes, and they made mistakes on offense. The defense held strong, and then it just takes one mistake, one special teams play, something like that, and that's been the recipe for disaster for this Bills team to put them in the situation that they are in to potentially go from a two seed to completely out of the postseason here in the last week. So that that would be the path for Miami to win this football game is it's kind of a slobber knocker and they're kind of close and someone makes a mistake at the most inopportune time. Way to just shoehorn in slobber knocker into the conversation. Nice work. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, got a, I've got a few points. Number one, you can't beat yourself. 
if you're Miami, when you look at the past two games they played against Buffalo, that playoff matchup, there have been plays early in the game that seemingly turned momentum for good. There, you know, certain certain two plays where you look at and you say, oh, what if? Um, the deep ball to Jalen Waddle at the beginning of the playoff game. Jalen Waddle can't come down with it. That was a touchdown if he catches it. And if that's how you start a game, if you're Miami, if you can start with that momentum and that confidence, who knows where you can go if you build on that. Now, that game was hella close for no particular reason, but you just can't help but wonder, okay, what would have happened if they connected on that? And then Tyreek Hill dropped a touchdown in week four that seemed to kind of contribute to the wheels falling off. We saw a similar story last week in Baltimore. You can't have those kind of offensive mistakes because the offense is going to have to carry the way on Sunday. Um, and then on offense, you need to establish the run. You got to get Devon A. Chan going. I thought they went to him a little too late there in week four. Uh, granted, a lot of that rushing production came on that like 50 yard, 55 yard run he had, but uh, the kid can play. He's healthy enough. He is comfortable enough. He's confident. He's making decisive cuts. And when he runs, he's not dancing too much. Uh, he looks like the real deal. You got to get him going. You've got to get him going. Um, and then on defense, you've got to force turnovers. You got to force turnovers. Uh, Josh Allen has been uh, terrorizing Miami for the past five years, four or five years. Uh, if you force him to turn the ball over, as he has been prone to do at times this season, you know, I'm not going to hammer that point home. You guys know very well what he's capable of. Uh, if you can get him to press and force, you've got a <laughs> shot. You've got a shot. But uh, this is, I mean, the three-point dogs at home for a reason. Buffalo's the hottest team in the NFL right now. I, uh, I, I had long been thinking that, like, damn, man. As soon as that Titans game ended, I was like, if they let this get to week 18, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. I think this is a four-peat for, for Buffalo if this comes down to week 18. Uh, it's four in a row, right? 21. Two, yeah. yeah. It's a four-peat if it comes down to the final week of the season. I'm not saying the Dolphins can't win. I'm not saying that they won't win. I am saying that I would be surprised. I would be I would be surprised if the Dolphins win the AFC East at this point, just based on kind of conflicting directions of momentum. One is going up and one is kind of trending down right now. He's Marcel Louis Jacques. You can find him on everywhere. You know, you know, walking through <laughs> an airport, well, you know, going out to dinner at the sports bar. He'll be up there around the horn, sports center, whatever's going on. John Scott, find him on the Buffalo End Zone podcast. Uh, got their own YouTube channel. Uh, very good. I like watching. It's a, it's an enjoyable watch, mostly for Kevin Garrell. Um, but <laughs> go ahead, Marcel. No, 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 no. I was just saying, like, look at you, the YouTube channel, baby. Go get it. Yeah, I mean, we only did it, what, two years before everybody else understood YouTube was the place to go. But, hey, better late than never, right? <laughs> Great stuff. All right, he's John, Marcel, I'm Matt. We'll see you tomorrow for the preview show. Take care, everybody.